Hi, everybody. This is Love Him, Love Them with Linda Gunner, where we give hope, touch lives, and change hearts. Can you pray and get what you pray for? Hi, everybody. This is Linda Gunner with Love Him, Love Them. By the way, that is the Bible. Uh, in one sentence. And it's also the name of our ministry. And I'm so excited because for the next couple of weeks, you know, I, I, don't you ever wonder, um, I just asked my waitress yesterday at Longhorns. I love Longhorns and I especially love their mushrooms that they have for appetizers. Um, and when she came and I was ordering them and I also like them crispy because I like the cheese to be melted really good. I asked her, I said, hey, I said, do you always get what you pray for? She looked back at me like, oh, wow, I've got a crazy, crazy person today. And then I promised her I would tip her well, and then she started answering me. But that is my question, is when you pray, do you get what you pray for? And if you don't get what you pray for, why why do you pray? So I'm going to talk to you for the. It's going to take a minute because you know what? The Bible is very, very clear. And I've asked you about this several times before about um, why do some people get healed when people pray for them and why do some people not get healed? Um, you know, the first question I have for you is, you know, what is prayer to you? Why, why, why do you pray? I mean, is it a duty? Is it something that you feel like you've got to do? But I'm going to tell you, if you'll stick with me for the next couple of weeks, you're going <laughs> to... You're going to know how to pray and you're going to know how to get what you pray for. And you're going to say, you know what? When I pray, I get what I pray for. And that is my goal for us for the next couple of weeks. So uh, I have another question. When you're uh, scrolling through social media or on your email or on your phone messages and somebody asks you to pray, what do you do? Do you stop whatever you're doing and pray or do you type (laughs) I know you guys get tired of me saying this. Or do you type praying? I always I always think that's funny when people type praying and then you can see uh, or I can see on Facebook if somebody's still on Facebook. I'm like, oh, that was a quick prayer because right now you comment on something else. <laughs> so that was a very fast prayer. Do you consider it an honor uh, or is it a duty for you when somebody asks you to pray for them? I think I told you guys this story before about that uh, couple that was at our house a couple of years ago and they walked in and I, I need to remember, I need to ask my husband what it was. I just remember something that they asked me to pray for. And I looked back at him and I was like, no, I'm not praying for that because I know that's not even in the Bible. It's not even something I can pray for. And I'll never forget. My husband was like, I cannot believe you said that, Linda. And you cannot tell people in front of their faces anymore that you're not praying for them about that. Uh, there's another end to that story. And I'll come back to that later. Can you say, I love to pray? And what's more, can you actually say, I get what I pray for, because that is my goal for the everybody listening tonight or tomorrow or in the daytime or on the podcast is I, that you can say, I get what I pray for. So that's what I want to talk to you about this week is how to pray and get what you pray for. You know, when we come to God in prayer, one of the first things we need to do is we've got to change For those of us who have a negative or unattractive image of God, that is one thing that really, really hinders us and stands between God and us. Because many people have come up with their own image of God based on either their earthly father or for a lot of people, I think it's based on their school principal. Uh, Because people envision God as that person that you have to go to or you got to go see when you get in trouble. Somebody that's going to scold you, somebody that's going to give you your punishment or your consequences, and that uh, that you've been sent there to discuss what are your consequences going to be. And that's kind of the way they look at God. 
The problem with that is, is for us to be able to pray effectively, we've got to make sure that the picture that we have of God is really who God is. And so for those of us who have that negative perspective, that thought that, um, I mean, a lot of people do, they have that the, a picture of God in their mind that he's, he's somebody who's way off. He's somebody who really doesn't want to be bothered. And most likely he's going to punish us. And so the best thing that we think is, I'll just stay as far away from him as I can. I'm going to stay as far away from him as possible. But that's not the truth. And that's not the truth about God at all. And so when we come to God, the fact of the matter is he does not scold us. He welcomes us. Matter of fact, if anything, his first response is, why why did you wait so long to come to me? You know, I feel that way with my kids all the time. I, and I, I've tried so, so hard to instill in them. Uh, Merlanda came home the other day and she walked in the door and she had a piece of paper out where she was writing lines. And she said, before she even got the door closed, she was like, I just want you to know I got in trouble for at school today because I was on the playground and somebody hit me and I hit them back. And I was like, okay, well, we've talked about this a thousand times over and over. If you're the one that's, uh, if somebody hits you, are you supposed to hit them back? No, you're supposed to go tell the teacher. And she was like, yeah, but I just want to make sure you know that the person that hit me did not get in trouble. So she goes through this whole long scenario. She tells me exactly what it is. And she says that she's writing lines because she, I said, who are you writing the lines for? And she said, I decided myself that I needed to write lines. <laughs> I was like, that is the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. But okay, good. And sure enough, she has a little group chat on her phone or on my phone. She doesn't have a phone with, uh, let's see, it's Bella and Rihanna. There's two other girls that she has a group chat with on my phone. And so lo and behold, that night about 730, they texted and or video called me. And the first words out of their mouth were, and, and Merlanda was at dance class, so she wasn't there. So they talked to me instead. And they were like, hey, did you know Merlanda got in trouble at school today? <laughs> I said, yes, actually, I did. They were like, well, we just wanted to make sure if she didn't tell you that we told that, that you knew. And I said, well, you know, we have this thing that Merlanda knows that she gets in a lot less trouble if she tells me immediately and we can talk through it and we can work through it. And her two friends were really, really surprised that she had already told me that she got in trouble. But, you know, that's the, that's kind of the way God feels. I'm not God, but I am a parent and I do love my children. And God is our parent and he loves us as our as children. And he wants us to come to him. He wants us to he wants to welcome us. You know, one of the most beautiful pictures of how God welcomes us is when we come to him. Is, it's found in uh, the 15th chapter of Luke, and it's a very well-known story. It's the story of the prodigal son who had strayed away from home. He had wasted all of his inheritance and basically ended up absolutely down and out. He was broke. He didn't have any resources. And when he came to the end of all that his thoughts were, he said, I think I better go home. Maybe my dad will let me come back. He will, probably won't let me come back as a son but maybe I can work with the hired hands. So I want to draw your attention. Luke 15, 20. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Do you see what a welcome he got? 
as soon as he was willing to turn around and go back home. Wow. That's what we should call the name of this show is turn around and go back home. Because, you know, when we are willing to turn around, that's, you know what, turn around, turn around is what repent is. What The Bible tells us over and over to repent of our sins, but repenting is stop doing, stop going the way you are going, turn around, turn around, make a 180, turn around and walk the other way. Not the way that we want to walk, not the way that things that we want to do, not what we have in our mind, but what does God have in his mind? And so when we're willing to turn around and go back home, that's when God can do miraculous things for us. You know, that son never even had a chance to ask his father to make him a hired servant. Because before before he was even able to do that, his father was kissing him and he was welcoming him back as a, as a hired hand. No, no. As a servant, no, no. As his son, as a child. And that, my friends, is a beautiful picture of how God receives us. He doesn't scold us. He doesn't blame us. He isn't stern and distant. He is loving. He is warm. He is gracious. You know, the other night when, when Merlanda came in and, and when she came in with that, that heart of, Mommy Linda, this is what happened. I want to tell you. I mean, she wanted to get it off of her chest so quickly. She wanted to, she wanted to turn around. I mean, we sat and we talked, you know, what can we do different? How can we, I didn't, I don't even, I didn't even scold her. <laughs> I did not. I, uh, I sat with her. I cried with her. We talked through the situation and, and that's what a loving father does. You know, when we get that picture of God and when Merlanda has that, when my children have that picture of me, when they know that they can come to me with what they have done and we can sit and we can, and it's a loving relationship and we can walk through it and talk through it, then that changes their perspective of their parent because they know, she knows I'm on her team, I'm on her side. I think that was even the the comment I used with her friends was, Merlanda and I are on the same team. We want to work together. And when we have that picture of God, that completely changes how we come to him. When we, it, it changes together, all together, the way we pray, right? Because if we're coming to him because we, he, we think he's going to beat us or we think he's going to scold us or we think he's going to, uh, that he doesn't care about the details of our life, it's, it's, it's a whole nother ball game. You know, there's another statement in James chapter one about praying for wisdom, and in James 1, 5, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, and, you know, I'm always explaining words because I have a lot of kids here from Haiti and there's lots of words they don't understand. Lacks means you ain't got it, right? So if you ain't got no wisdom, <laughs> the Bible says you should ask God because God gives generously to everybody without finding fault. And so he'll give it to you. You know, just think about that. We're always saying, you know, I need help thinking about this. I need wisdom thinking about that. I need wisdom for this situation. God says he gives it generously and he doesn't find fault. What if you had that in your mind while you were praying? That all I have got, if, if any of you ask, lacks wisdom, just ask God. He's the one who gives it without finding fault. If you would keep that in mind while you were praying, that would completely change the way you pray. 
Jesus came to represent the Father to us. He's preaching on prayer. He, you know, if you ever have questions, there, there's so many things that God answers in the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, I, I read that over and over. I keep saying I'm going to memorize the whole thing because it just answers so many things. In Matthew, it says, uh, Matthew 5, I believe, I can't believe it's 5 or 7, 5 or 6, but it's uh, verse 7. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Because everybody who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be open. I mean, that is three very positive statements. Ask and it will be given. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. Are you kidding me? I don't know how much clearer that can be. And then again in Matthew 21, 22, he says, ask whatever you wish in prayer. And if you believe, you will receive. I mean, people, what else do we want? I mean, really, there you can't. That's better than the lottery, right? I have a whole other story about the lottery. I'll tell you guys about that later. Ask whatever, whatever you wish. Ask, and if you believe, you'll receive. He says it again in Mark eleven twenty four. Ask whatever you wish in prayer, and you will. If you believe, you will receive. I don't know how it could be a more encompassing statement than that, right? <laughs> I mean, everything you ask for in prayer, everything. But notice that last part of that statement. What does it say? Believe. Believe that you have received it. You know, it is so important to believe that we receive when we pray. So the actual experience of what we have prayed for, it may have to wait, but by faith, we receive what we pray for when we pray. I really believe that one of our biggest challenges when we pray is we don't believe we got what we prayed for. We don't believe it. We are so used to asking other people for things and we don't ever get it. People don't come through. People make promises. They renege on us. And we place God in that same bucket with everybody else. We think that he responds and reacts to us the same way that humans respond and react to us. And that is not what the word of God says. And I, I really do believe that a lot of people who say that they are believers really do not believe. You know, in John, Jesus assures us three times that God will answer our prayers. John 14, 13 and 14, he says, and I'll do whatever you ask in my name. <laughs> I, mean, that is, I mean, I just think about this. If I'm taking a class and I'm writing down notes, I, I don't know what else you want for that. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. How much better can it get than that? I mean, you know, you have to start thinking if you're listening to this and you're still with me, you really have to start thinking, what in the world is going on with, do I have a problem with my asker? What am I, what, what is going on? And I, I hope you are thinking because we've been made over 8,000 promises in the word of God. And all it says is that we are only part to that is to say, amen, which means we believe what it says. So I, I hope you're really wondering why when I pray, are my prayers not answered? Why, why is that? Because here we go in John 15, 7, and I'll do whatever you ask in my name 
so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. Ask whatever you wish. How can we possibly ask for a better deal than that? And here we go. One more time in John, John 16, 24. Until now, you've not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive. Oh, and here we go. Here's an added bonus. And your joy will be complete. That's like a buy one, get one free right there. I mean, and I'm going to tell you, whew, I see so many people every day, you know, and I'm, I'm in ministry constantly. So I'm running into constantly with people who say, who say they're Christians, right? Christian television, Christian radio, Christian media, Christian events, churches. And I'm going to tell you, I do not see much joy. There is, this says that your joy will be complete. I don't meet a whole lot of people that have complete joy, but you know, there's a special kind of joy that comes from getting our prayers answered. Um, I just took one of my daughters with me. Uh, I get called in to pray for people all the time. And, and every now and then I like to take one of my kids with me because I love it's just, because of this, it completes their joy. When, when someone prays and you watch, this is what's so miraculous and amazing about healing prayers. When you pray for someone who needs to be healed and you immediately get to see that healing. The per- If you're praying for someone who can't walk and they stand up, if you're praying for someone who's paralyzed and they stand up, you talk about getting your getting some complete joy. <laughs> you, get, you get some complete joy when you see a prayer answered. Uh, hands growing out, legs growing out. And so I took one of my daughters with me, Samaika, the other day. Uh, there was a, a lady who couldn't walk and couldn't stand up and had been in bed. And boy, she went in and prayed. And then whenever... Uh, I said, okay, let's stand her up. And when she stood her up and the lady could stand up, there is a special kind of joy. That joy that I saw not only in the young lady's eyes, but also in Samaika's eyes. There is a a special joy from getting our prayers answered. Because you know that the Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, the ruler of the whole universe, has his ear open to your personal and individual prayer. Are you kidding me? And that he will do what you ask him to do, you as an individual? I mean, that is one of the most exciting experiences that anybody can have. And if you haven't had it, I, I, I feel bad for you. I really do, because it is a... It is a joy that comes from the bottom of your toes. It is the the Holy Spirit was in the room whenever we were praying. The Holy Spirit is inside of us all of the time. But the bottom line is Jesus wants us to have that joy. You know, so many of us, we quote John 10, 10 and say, I have come that you might have joy and have it to the full. And we think that's riding on a boat or going to, well, I was going to say a theme park. I'm not going to say that one anymore. Um, going to a, an amazing place and riding on a roller coaster. Um you know, we think that joy comes from eating a, a romantic dinner with our husband at a really nice restaurant. No, that special joy, that comes from seeing answers to our prayers. And so he says, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Some of us don't even have any idea what that joy is. You know, what does God want us to become? What does he want how does he want our relationship with Jesus? Where, 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 does that, where does that joy end up? Where does that come from? In Revelation 1, 5 and 6, it says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. So I, I want you to look. We're, we're going to move into something that's probably going to flip a lot of you out, but I'm just 
really and truly reading you the word of God and telling you exactly what it says and the, the power that we have. So again, Revelation 1, 5, and 6, listen to this. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look at what we have become by the forgiveness of our sins. What have we become? What did it say? It says we have become a kingdom and priests. You know, I started to, I talked with you guys about this recently with the war that's going on in Ukraine uh, and also with the war that we're fighting in Haiti. I mean, we're fighting a war of Haitians against Haitians in Haiti uh, uh, with the gangs. And I told you uh, then, and I'm going to prove it to you through the scriptures right now, that really and truly kings and presidents and rulers of countries are not really who's in charge. The people who are in charge are the Christians who pray. We can turn the world around. And, and I want you to listen as I prove this to you scripturally. We have become, by the forgiveness of our sins and the blood of Jesus, we have become kingdom and priests. Some of the other translations say kingdom and priests or a kingdom of priests. But if you combine those two, those are the highest functions that have ever been available to man through our relationship to Jesus Christ. Kings and priests. What does that mean? You know, for most of us, including me, when I read through this, I just, I just sort of lull over that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, kingdom of God, priest, whatever that means. What does that mean? What are the functions of kings and priests? You know, most people know what a king is. I mean, they rule, they govern, right? But I don't know that everybody knows what the special function of a priest is. The special function of a priest is to offer a sacrifice, so as kings, we are to rule, and as priests, we are to offer sacrifices. Listen closely, because I'm, I am telling you how to pray and get your prayers answered. In other words, to be in the kingdom, we have to be a priest. Or to put it more simply, only when we learn to minister as a priest can we really begin to rule as a king. So we have to learn, first of all, that to minister as priests, we have to learn how to offer the kind of sacrifice that God requires. Now, in this time, the kind of sacrifice that is required is in 1 Peter 2, 5. You also, like living stones, are built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So once the word priesthood is mentioned, the next word is an offering. Do you know what an offering is? It refers to a sacrifice so that we are holy priests offering spiritual sacrifices. What, what kind of a spiritual sacrifice does God expect us to offer? Hebrews 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers. <laughs> prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. When is the last time that you cried, prayed, and cried at the same time? I just had it happen before we started the show today. When is the last time that you prayed and had fervent cries and tears that when you were reaching out to the one who could save us from death, the one he is, it says he is, God hears, he heard Jesus because of his reverent submission. What was his sacrifice? What was Jesus' sacrifice? It says that the sacrifice and offering that God expects of us as a priest is prayer and petitions. So God wants us to rule as kings. 
He wants us to offer the sacrifice of prayer and petitions as priests. But in order to rule, we have to first learn to minister as a priest. In other words, we aren't qualified to minister as kings or to rule and to govern until we have first learned to minister as a priest in prayer. So what that means is that when we learn to pray, then we are qualified to rule. Or when we learn to rule by praying, first we have to learn to pray. So I want you to think about what we've talked about today. What is prayer to you? Is it a duty? Do you know how to pray? Do you know how to do exactly what the Bible says, where it says that we can ask whatever in prayer? Do you know how to believe? (laughs) And if you do believe, do you receive what you pray for? Do you know if you need wisdom in a situation? Do you have any idea how to ask God who gives generously without finding fault and it will be given to you? Do you know the story of the prodigal son? Do you believe that God is that father who is waiting for you? He's waiting for you not to scold you, not to punish you, but he is waiting there with his arms open wide to meet you. Because what I want to talk about for the next couple of weeks is if we are praying and we are not getting what we pray for, why is that? So my first challenge to you for this week is, for you to really look and see, what what do you believe? And for you to really look and see and analyze, what is your perception of God? How do you view him? What, what do you think he is? Do you think he is a, a father waiting to punish you and scold you and hand out your consequences? Or is he a loving father? And you know, for a lot of you, when we sing on the road with the choir, one of the songs that we sing is Good, Good Father. Every time before we sing that song, I'm, I reach out and, and explain to everybody, you know, the, the 30 children that are singing behind you are children who have no idea who their father is. Some of them do know their fathers, but they were killed in the earthquake. Some of them have no, have no idea who their father is or they've lost their father. And yet they're going to take the next uh, few minutes to sing a song to you about their good, good father. Because your father on this earth might, might have been a bad, bad father. And so Satan loves to take that and use your perception of him and turn that around to what you think the heavenly father is like. And that's not true. And, you know, at some point in our lives, we have to reconcile with ourselves. What is truth? Is truth what we think it is or how we feel it is? Or is truth what the word of God says? And the word of God describes our heavenly father and who he is and how he loves us. And if we continue to believe the lie of what Satan wants us to believe and of, of how our earthly fathers may or may not have treated us and p- throw that same perception on God, the way we reach out to God and the way we pray to God is not going to be the way it should be. So your first, my first challenge for you is to grasp who God is, what a loving father he is, and how he wants to wrap his arms around you. There are many of us in, uh, listening tonight that have people in our lives that we can't love. We can't love them because we don't love Him. We don't love God because we have the wrong perception of Him. So change your perception of God before you listen to this next podcast or this next radio show that is going, I'm going to guarantee you, if you will hang with me for the next few weeks, 
I'm going to show you how you can pray and get what you pray for. Before you leave tonight, if there's someone in your life that you need to reconcile with, make sure that you do that so that you can say, I love him and I love them. Thanks, everybody.